Hello, welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show, episode number 98, only two away from the big 100. I am your host, Daryl Ritt. Today's topics include Russian oil sales, the surveillance state, school stabbings, and more. Also, don't forget, you can help support this show by going to dakotarustler.org. From there, you can purchase merchandise, make a donation, listen to some of the previous episodes, and more. In addition, please consider subscribing and liking this show in whatever format you are listening to it on. It helps the show to grow. With that, let's get right into all the topics. Number one, Russia has successfully redirected all its crude oil exports affected by Western sanctions over Ukraine to countries it considers friendly. The West, as we know, imposed wide-ranging sanctions, including an embargo on seaborne Russian oil imports after Moscow sent its armed forces into Ukraine in February of last year. And I have long said, folks, sanctions don't work, and here is more proof. Their energy minister claimed that there is no decrease in sales, despite Gazprom companies stating that 2023 would be more difficult than 2022 due to a lack of European buyers. The energy minister said Russia had been working to reroute its oil and oil product exports to Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Middle East from its traditional markets in Europe. While I wasn't so brave as to pick which countries, I did state last year that Russian oil and other products would continue to be sold with little to no reduction. It would just shift hands an extra time or two, making it more expensive. The story continues. Deliveries to India are set to account for more than 50% of all seaborne exports this month, with China in second place. And according to Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak, he said Russian oil sales to India jumped 22-fold last year, but he did not specify the volume sold. Well, thinking that was easy enough to calculate based on previous year's figures, so I went out and found a chart. Here it is. For those of you who are listening instead of watching, there's a chart with various colors in it. The blues represent U.S. and European purchases. At the beginning of last year, the sales were rather high. Over time, those con sales continue to decline to the point where they virtually don't exist today. However, also on this chart is a red section, which represents, you know, pretty much everyone else that was very small at the beginning of last year that has grown extremely large over time and the overall sales if you look on this chart have actually gone up not down Novak said the energy revenues accounted for 42% of Russia's federal budget in 2022 up from 36% in 21 he said Russia's energy industry was sustainable 
despite the challenge of Western sanctions. He also stated that Russia needed to focus on boosting energy exports to so-called friendly countries and would continue developing the insurance tools needed to support this trade. Number two. Andrei Chernyshov had just entered a Moscow metro station on his way to an anti-war protest last May when police officers stopped him, informed him he was on a wanted list, and, without further explanation, escorted him to a police office inside the station. There, officers told a 51-year-old bank employee that the metro's facial recognition system had flagged him for detention because of his political activism. Remember that when I get to the main story. A little over a week earlier, Chernyshov stood alone by a fountain in central Moscow's Pushkin Square and held up a homemade poster that said, Peace to Ukraine, No War, and Freedom for Russia. Remember that when I get to the main story. Released without charge after a few hours, Chernyshov was detained again later in the same day as he traveled home. This time he was questioned about his views on the war in Ukraine and President Vladimir Putin. A man in plain clothes identified himself as an official from Russia's Center for Combating Extremism and advised Chernyshaw to refrain from joining further demonstrations because he had a young child to care for. Quote, I took his words as a threat, unquote, said Chernyshaw, who has a five-year-old son. Yeah, you think? And that wasn't the end of it. Police detained Chernyshaw again in a metro in June, and in August, and in September, and they twice visited his home to warn him against protesting. In June, he had, a th- he had defied authorities by handing out badges to passers-by that read, No to war, and Russia will be free. It's no secret that the Russian government uses facial recognition to keep an eye on citizens. In 2017, the city of Moscow announced the launch of one of the largest facial recognition video surveillance networks in the world. In a news release at the time, Moscow's Department of Information Technologies said that 160,000 cameras across the city More than 3,000 of them connected to a facial recognition system would help law enforcement. Western technology has aided the crackdown. The facial recognition system in Moscow is powered by algorithms produced by one Belarusian company and three Russian firms. At least three of the companies have used chips from U.S. firms, NVIDIA and Intel. There is, however, no suggestion that NVIDIA or Intel have breached any sanctions. Reuters also found that those same Russian and Belarusian companies participated in a U.S. facial recognition test program aimed at evaluating emerging technologies and run by an offshoot of the Department of Commerce. Wow, isn't that just nice?
So what can I say about privacy? Well, you'll find out a little bit later, but if you think it still exists, you are wrong. Number three, if it's not school shootings, it's school stabbings and not just here in America. A teacher in Brazil has died after a 13-year-old student stabbed her as well as three other teachers and two classmates at a public school in Sao Paulo. The teenager has been taken to a police station to be interrogated in the company of her parents. A physical education teacher at the school had managed to restrain the student prior to that preventing him from injuring others. Teachers affected are not at risk and the injuries to the students were minor, said Sao Paulo's Secretary of Education, who added that a three-day mourning period will be declared in honor of the teacher who died because, well, no one can emotionally accept adversity in their life in today's world. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, this kind of craziness happens everywhere, not just the U.S. You ban guns, people are going to find knives. They're going to find hammers. They're going to, if they want to attack, they're going to attack. Anyway, that brings us up to our promo time, but don't go away. When I come back, more horse sense. For all things Dakota Rustler related, please visit dakotarustler.org. The website contains links to media sites, a merchandise store, and a button to donate to the show. Your support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, and comments or topic ideas can be sent to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if you have a business to promote. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. Uh, before I continue with my last two stories, I just want to do my usual shout out to Danheim, the provider of all the music on this show, Vinny Camilleri, who I just added some music from. Thank you for letting me do this royalty free. And to Arabel Kimmick, who does all the voiceovers and who can be found at arabelvoiceoverartist.com. All right, so let's get back to the stories. Number four. For all you who refuse to listen to my advice about not digitizing your entire life, listen up. Here's an article that I believe was written by a Brit, which I will be doing mostly in the third-person perspective. I got my first iPhone in my first year at a university in London around the same time as my best friends. It suddenly gave us access to a new era of documentation. We could go on to Instagram and post photos directly to our Facebook feeds. I lived in London for six years, some of the time in university and some of the time working several low-paying jobs at once. Halfway through my time, I was pickpocketed outside a club in Dalston. They took my phone and nothing else. The moment I realized it was gone, I knew that the faithful documentation of my life had disappeared. I did not believe in the virtues of backing up 
or the cloud or even plugging my phone into a laptop. Years of my time in London were suddenly erased. So this particular person who grew up in the age of technology wasn't bright enough to back up anything onto another media platform. But wait, it gets worse. It, I took a few days to grieve the loss and got upgraded to a new phone. By the weekend, I was working my shift as a hostess at a hotel restaurant, and someone lifted my new phone from the hostess station. At that moment, I was out some money and the loss of my second phone and trying to scrape together more to buy a third lower-end model. So, after being pickpocketed this person still isn't bright enough to secure their phone she just lets it on a hostess station being older now this person says as i look back there is a peculiar gap those years of mine were trapped somewhere in east london in the memory of an iphone 4 yeah, that was a while ago, I admit it, but Backup, my friends, has been available for a long time. I've been backing up computers and other digital data for over 30 years now, longer than some of you listening may have been alive. According to Linda Henkel, a psychology professor, when people rely on technology to remember something for them, they are essentially outsourcing their memory. They know their phone is capturing that moment for them, so they don't pay full attention to it in a way that might help them remember. So, yes, this is yet another story, like my last podcast, of how we as a species are becoming dumber. Not only can't we remember anything, we can't even remember to back up anything that we depend on to make us stupid. The author agrees that we are a new kind of tiresome. But how much of that is our fault, she says. In this age of information, I wonder what our capacity for stimulation might be. As someone who is a photographer and now a writer, I don't know whether I have been ever been able to keep a memory perfect without shaving it down or shedding a few details along the way. The loss of those years to the digital sands of time is regrettable. But I have some faith that away from the screens, the fog may lift. So there you have it, people. Like I say on a regular basis, get away from the digital world. Unless, of course, you're watching or listening to my podcast, then you're allowed. <laughs> oh, that brings us to the main story, number five. The Rough Hollow Homeowners Association, a non-government entity, and the Lakeway, Texas Police Chief had signed off on a multi-camera surveillance system deal with a company called Flock Safety, in January of 21, giving police access to residents' footage. By the time the June City Council meeting came around, the surveillance system had notified the police department over a dozen times. It doesn't say what of, but they're working together. 
Lakeway is just one example of a community that has faced flock system surveillance without many homeowners, if any, knowing it or approving it. Neighbors in Atlanta, Georgia remained in the dark for a year after cameras were put up. In Lake County, Florida, nearly 100 cameras went up overnight like mushrooms, according to one county commissioner, without a single permit. Flock Safety has targeted homeowner associations in partnership with police departments to become one of the largest surveillance vendors in the nation. They are key. There are key strategic re. Yeah, I'm gonna spit it out. There are key strategic reasons that make homeowners associations the ideal customer. HOAs have large budgets, collecting over 100 billion a year from homeowners at BU, and it's an opportunity for law enforcement to gain access into gated private areas normally out of their reach. I never understood why people join homeowner associations, but hey, it's a free world. Eh, maybe. <laughs> Over 200 homeowner associations nationwide have bought and installed Flock Systems license plate readers, according to an Intercept investigation. HOAs are private entities and therefore are not subject to public records requests or regulation, such as in the state of Washington. There, it's illegal to track plates. However, HOAs like Alder Meadow, a wealthy Seattle suburb, share their access to the technology with local police. And since Fourth Amendment privacy rules do not apply to private citizens, HOA boards are not subject to any oversight. Well, maybe it's time for some new rules. Even if HOAs are not covered by privacy rules, police are. They should not be allowed access to such data, even if it's freely given to them. The system allows police to track cars within their own neighborhoods, as well as access to a nationwide system of license plate readers that can scan approximately one billion images of vehicles a month. The system captures not only license plate numbers, but also the state, vehicle type, make, color, missing and covered plates, bumper stickers, decals, roof racks, and more. I'll give you one guess as to where all the data is stored. Did you guess it? Amazon Web Services. So even if you don't have an account, which I don't, Amazon just may know where you are. In practice, Flock often works to court the police first and then tag team to persuade local HOAs to buy the cameras. So they're going to the police first. To entice the police, Flock claims it makes neighborhoods 70% safer and quickly arms police with evidence. And law enforcement officials are easily persuaded by Flock's promise to reduce crime. However, Intercept could find no studies to suggest that this is true. 
Last April, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy pledged to spend $10 million to expand the use of automated license plate readers, which would capture and store images in a centralized database accessible to law enforcement to combat an epidemic in car theft, he claims. Now, I'm not a supporter of abortion, but maybe you are. Well, guess what? Since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, activists have been concerned about the use of license plate readers to track people accessing abortion in states where it is legal or crossing state lines to get one. So, like in Russia, how long, if not already, will all these systems be tied into facial recognition and allowing government to know everywhere we go, even when we don't have our phones on us? Humanity has become an army of subjective bends. And if you don't know what a bend is other than a $100 bill, you need to watch an old movie called Ben, he was a famous movie rat. Yeah, we have simply become movie rats in the guise of government surveillance. So with that, it's time to ride on out of here. You know the mantra. Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day, and don't forget to subscribe.